Hello everyone, welcome to the You Don't Look Like an Engineer podcast. Today we have an incredible guest. I met T-Shield um, not long ago, three weeks ago probably, um, because she was very passionate about connecting with different people from different industries. So she reached out to me through uh, LinkedIn and we caught up for a conversation and I was just amazed by her story and her journey. Because as we all know, we think that a professional journey has to be linear and in reality it isn't. So I'm really excited to um, get to talk um, to you, Tishel. And yeah, if you just wanted to introduce yourself, um, and let us know what makes you, um, I guess, what a little introduction about yourself and yeah, describe what you like doing. Thank you, Lara Sohan. I uh, love the opportunity. Very grateful for the opportunity to be um, on the podcast today. So name's uh, Tishal, uh, from Malaysia, non-linear career pathway because um, I started off as a civil engineer, but I'm also an entrepreneur. I'm a not-for-profit founder. And uh, I, I, I still perform a, a role as a program manager within the rail industry. So I do wear a few different hats and probably most most proud of the fact that I actually have two little girls as well, nine and 12. And uh, yeah, so it's been an interesting ride so far. That is, that is a lot of hats to be wearing. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, I suppose just because, um, you know, the name is you don't look like an engineer. What drew you towards the civil engineering side of um industry yeah um i think that's a question for my mom and dad uh <laughs> i think being born in a southeast asian uh, sort of home i, I had three options uh, engineering doctor or you know a lawyer so i didn't really have much of a choice in terms of picking my career <laughs> yeah all right that right? now that sounds very familiar <laughs> yeah not at all <laughs> i'd say the push wasn't there on my end but um given the subjects i was taking they were like um just you know just think about engineering like why not <laughs> So that's it. Sounds very familiar. <laughs> yeah. So I think I think that that was that was literally the the, the start of it. Um. And I think when I when I got into it, um, I just realized that I don't know if I can actually do what other engineers do. Um. I almost feel that there's a stereotype that's attached to the word engineer, someone that's probably um you know good at maths, technically inclined, uh, loves building and constructing. And that was the, the little realm of uh, knowledge that I actually had around engineering. But um, it, it's so so much more than that. And, and I think that that's the bit that probably drove me towards the podcast when I actually said, you don't look like an engineer. And I guess the first question that popped into my head was, so what does an engineer look like? <laughs> Can you elaborate a bit on what you meant by when you got in, you didn't think you could do um, what a normal engineer does? Oh, no, I think it's more around, um, I, I, I had I had an illusion in my mind of what an engineer, engineering role or, or a title would actually mean. And I think my limited knowledge at the time is is knowing that it's design, it's construction, it's it's building. And, and, and so basically entering the, the, the industry changed your whole perspective. Oh, 100%, right? I think you only know what you know until you get actually exposed to peop either people yeah. in the industry or, or being immersed in the experience itself that, that opens up your mind to what, what is possible. Yeah, 100%. Wow. So um, <clears throat> we've heard how you got into the industry a little bit. Um, and now, how would you describe what you do to a five-year-old? It's really funny you actually say that because my, my daughter said to me, um, because she knows my title, is that we've got a word, the word manager behind, and she said, so mama, do you just go to work and just tell people what to do all day? Because I want to do that. <laughs> and, said, and, and, and that opened up a whole discussion around what a manager is what, and what a leader is. Imagine having a conversation with an eight-year-old just about that. Um, I, I think to answer your question uh, very simplistically, I, I view my role as a collaboration role. Uh, my role today is all about empowering, uh, coaching and mentoring um, teams to actually be high performing so that we can successfully deliver our projects, um, you know, appeasing all parties. Mm. Mm. Okay. And when you started the engineering industry, did you think that your role was going to be this? Or as you were saying, like you, I think we sold a, 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 like a person. It's like, okay, engineers do this. They only focus on construction and like technical stuff. But in reality, there's so many, as you said earlier, hats that way you get to wear. So how did you think your career was going to look like back when you started? 
I think that was actually quite short-lived. Uh, when, when I got my first role, it was um, as a graduate in the railway industry. That's how I started off. And coming into the industry, um, forget, forget the fact that there weren't any women. Um, there wasn't anyone that was young. Uh, most people around me were in their 50s, um, male and white. Um, so I, I think I think that the, I, I didn't quite picture that uh, when I actually went into the real industry. But but when I used to have you know excited coming into a first job um, as a, as a career sort of professional, excited to sort of take on the world and see what what, what it brings. But my expectations were short lived because the people that I was associating with were very busy talking about retirement because uh, the majority of them were in their fifties. Um, talking about, you know, um, they've only got a few more years to go and, and they, they'll retire. So I think it gave me a very, and and, I, and, I, and that's why I say non-traditional, because of the exposure I had in the real industry at that time, despite the fact that I actually had all this ambition and, and, and hunger to, to learn, I was actually really grateful for some of the conversations that made me think, hang on a minute, am I going to be trading 40, 45 hours week in, week out for the next 40 years of my life? And the answer is no. So I think when I when I started off my career in that space, then I actually quickly decided that I don't want to do that. And and although although I was in the in the real industry and was involved in a lot of different projects, I thought I wanted to have a whole lot of different experiences because the people that I was exposed to had been in the real industry for forty years, thirty years. And I thought, oh my god, does that mean if you get in, you never get out, and this is all you do? And that's and that scared me, quite frankly. <laughs> Of course, it sounds daunting. Like it's everything I'm gonna do. Just this, or is this what my life is gonna look like in the future? Everything that I'm gonna be looking forward to is retirement. That sounds sad. There's nothing wrong with that, but it's just. <laughs> yes. <laughs> sad. Well, it was a bit. It felt like a bit like an anticlimax, right? Like because you like you you're studying, you're doing yeah. your thesis, you you do all of these years of experience, you do your work experience, you're like ta da! This is like the the corporate world, not for you to actually be an engineer. And then when you hear those things, you're like, actually, is, is this the pathway that I'm actually going to go down? Yeah, yeah, 100%. So when you felt scared, sorry, Sohan, I know you were going to ask something, but um, I I just really have to address this. You said that you were scared and, and, and you felt like you didn't want to do that. So what made you push and keep working on it and get to where you are at the moment? Like, was there a specific situation or was there a specific person that sort of like told you, nah, this is not what it's like? Um, what made you change your mind? I think I've done I've done a full circle. I've done a full 360 circle. Um, so although I started off in, in, in railway and in, in construction sort of projects, I, I started to um, be part of uh, different networking sort of groups from, from, a, young, from a young age. And uh, in this specific uh, engineer, um, you know, networking sort of group that I was part of, I was exposed to a lot of different entrepreneurs or people who wanted to be entrepreneurs and, and opened my mind to probably what was possible. So when I went down that pathway, um, I started to collaborate with different people. And as a result of that, we started up a business. And we started up our first, first business, which was really purchasing uh, a master license for uh, Western Australia. Uh, in the area of logistics, and we started to build a network of franchises. Um, and then in a short sort of three years, uh, we grew to 150 franchises in Western Australia. I was a young director at the time, had zero knowledge in the area of business, but I definitely had people around me who were seasoned business people, if you like, who actually learned from. And, and that got me really excited because I could actually use my engineering um there's definitely a lot of skills being an engineer. The way we think is a bit different from other sort of professions. So, uh, you know, the analytical, rational sort of thinking aspect, the, the, the logic, the organization aspect, definitely used a lot of those sort of skills um, in, in my role in, when I started up my business. Okay. Wow. So I guess often if you wanted to ask. Yeah, um, it is sort of tied in. Um, I guess in terms of, because like, if you look at engineering, yeah, people and you do speak to like older engineers because it's something like, you know, we, we question as well in terms of like value adding or fulfillment, I guess, uh, what you're looking at in this career that um, gives you a sense of like I'm contributing something. 
So what, I guess, was lacking in that sense for you? And what did you, what did fulfillment look like for you that you were able to take that leap and say, look, this is not what I want to do. My ideal life looks like X. Mm. What is X? Yeah. Excellent question. Yeah, I think, I think that's a phenomenal question. I think it's, um, I, I had this growing up, I think, you know, everyone's got different perspectives as to what they're expecting life to actually be. And, and I think uh, growing up in the, in the environment I was, it was, um, you know, study really hard, work really hard, keep climbing the corporate ladder, make money, have kids, get married, have kids, repeat. Like, you know, you, you continue that sort of cycle. And I think when, when I went into in the, the industry and looked around me, yes, you know, it was, it was great to actually be part of a construction project. Please don't get me wrong. I actually love that aspect of it. But I think the back of my mind was like, is this it? Like, am I going to keep working on construction projects? Am I ever going to build something of my own? What, what, what is my capability? Uh, what is my capacity to actually grow and, and build something on my own? And I think I was so curious about what the limits were that I wanted to actually venture out and experiment. So was it more of um, not being able to unlock your untapped potential? Or was it like you wanted freedom to be able to go wherever you wanted to travel or like more like... Yeah, well, I, think, I think 100%. Like in a material um, sense. Being, being a migrant coming into Australia, um, it wasn't to have an average lifestyle. It wasn't to actually be mediocre. And, um, you know, I was listening to something recently and made me laugh. Uh, he said... Um, um, you know, life is like almost like you, you see what the masses are doing and then you stop, you do the hokey pokey, you turn around and you do the same. <laughs> <You> know, <it's, laughs> I love that. That is going to be my new mantra. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's literally trying to fight against the grain of what everybody else was doing. And I was very much into personal development and growth from, from a young age. I was very curious about human behavior and curious about what made people do what they did and looking at the results that they actually had uh, at the end of that. And around me, when I looked at people and when I looked at the kind of life that they actually had, I went, there must be more. There must be more. And I didn't know what the answers were. But very curious that as a, yeah, as a young person to be, to be thinking of those things, where do you think that interest sparked from? As a, you know, to look at human behavior, look at life and want to be a rebel. Yeah, <laughs> a rebel, that's quite funny. I think it's, it's again, it's, it's lived experience. Uh, when we moved here from Malaysia, my parents had it really, really tough. Uh, they came here, sold everything that they actually had. We moved here as a family. My parents, when they, when they came here, they were in their 50s and they started life from scratch. Um, you know, had to build wow. new networks again, had to start jobs from scratch and they couldn't actually get work in the fields that they had worked in for 30 years. Every Everything that they knew had to be unlearned and when I saw them struggle um, I kind of you know I, and I think things happen in your life and you start to actually have these defining moments and I actually had one of those defining moments seeing my parents struggle that I was like I was never ever going to be I didn't ever want to be in the position that they were in and I think I think that's kind of that, that that's kind of what went through my head because we, we we had a lot of probably not, not long enough to cover in this podcast but I've actually experienced um my, my dad being taken to court by his own brother and being made a bankrupt. Uh, whole family went through the whole court system. Uh, my parents lost everything that they actually had. My mom was living, was, was managing our household from credit card to credit card. Um, so it was, it was really challenging and they were paying international fees for me and my sisters. So when I saw what everybody else was doing, I just went, I don't know if this pathway is actually going to guarantee me um, a much better life. And, and I think in the back of my mind, I just knew that I wanted to do something different and I just didn't ever want to be in the same boat that they were in. Yeah. So when you when you realized that the masses were doing the similar thing and they were probably not getting the result that you were wanting or that was ideal for you. Okay, good. I think there was like a little, um, yeah, I, I think there was like a little thing. Yeah. And I couldn't see your screen, like it was just frozen. So I was like, are they able to hear me? I'm sorry about that. But um, what I was saying is like, um, I guess when you realized that what they were doing wasn't actually going to get you where you wanted to be, um, what did you implement into your life? Like what habits did you implement to get to the ideal life that you wanted? Or who was living the life that you wanted to live? 
um, that sort of like you could copy the habits from or have them as an inspiration? Mm. Yeah, that, I think I think that's a, that's a great question. See, that's the thing, right? Like in, in my circle of influence at the time, I didn't know any better. Everyone around me was doing exactly that. Study hard, get a good job, keep climbing the corporate ladder. I didn't know any different. I didn't know people who were in business. When I got into business, my mom was like putting her two hands together and said, please, just don't do this. Just have a job. Just have a job. It's just a safe yeah. thing to do. Security, why, right? Why would you yeah. do this? Um, so I didn't actually really have the support of, of family when I when I got into business. And um, and although it was really successful to start with, it, it didn't actually have a happy ending. Um, our trust mm. fund was mismanaged and overnight there wasn't any money in the bank account. And uh, and as a, as a young director at the time, I would just be trading insolvent if we kept operating. So I had to close the doors. I had to let people in the office go. I It was game over. And and as a as a twenty eight year old dealing with that at the time, it was really really tough. Um, and I didn't have the mental capacity um, to actually deal with the situation. I just didn't. And and you know when you when you have people around you who look at you sort of not being successful, whatever that might mean in their in their mind, because I told you so. I told you that wasn't gonna work. I told you just mm. just have a job. Mm. Um, and I think there's there's enough people sort yeah. of around. Yeah, so disempowering. One hundred percent, right? But people are trying to keep you safe. They're doing it, uh, and it took me a while to understand that as well. Like it was coming from a space where they just wanted you to be safe. Um, mm. and you know, and, and and the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over, expecting a different result. And so expecting different results. Yeah. yeah so I, I knew I had to do something different, but it's okay. Like I, I, I soldiered on. There was a lot of tears, uh, definitely there, but uh, I kind of licked my wounds and went back into engineering. And engineering was my saving grace, and I'm very, very grateful uh, for that. I was in mining at the time. Um, we were building heavy haul rail from port to mine in Western Australia. We used to do not active flying fire. Like it used to be kind of once once a month, um, and I was exposed to all of that again. So, you know, it was, but the, the, I think what was really lacking for me was role models. What was really lacking is seeing people who probably look like mm. me um, and have, have, have gone through a very similar sort of pathway and got to a happy ending uh, or, or, or living the life in terms of what I see success is. And, and it was a struggle. So I guess it was continually trial and error, it was continuing trying different things and learning from people. So I just read a whole lot of books. Um, and I tried to network and just connect with different people uh, from a pretty young age, just to learn people's sort of stories and just understand like how did they do, do you know, what, what what they did. I guess how did you um, after you know, being set back and set back, um, you know, and having to come back to engineering? How do you maintain? How would you? How did you? And how would you recommend people to maintain like a, a positive um, outlook on what they want out of life and and to keep at it? if that makes a positive mindset in that sense. Yeah, I, I think it came to um, how I viewed failure. I think some people, when, when they've experienced uh, setbacks, they go, oh my God, that happened. Like never, ever again am I going to do anything like this. And then they go completely the opposite direction. I think for me it was, okay, that didn't work. It didn't go as well as it, it planned. What, what can I learn from this? And, you know, I, I had a few sort of non-negotiables in my mind as well as to, you know, if I got into business the next time, it needed to tick a few different boxes. Like I, I learned from it. So, you know, I think it was all about learn, like failing forward, learning forward, um, learning from the experiences as opposed to it being a setback that I would never, ever sort of explore again. Um, I think I think that was one aspect, just like how I viewed um, the setbacks. But the other aspect of it was the hunger. Um, I was I, I was hungry. I was hungry to do a lot more. And I know from a, from a really young age, I kept thinking in my mind, like I have one life and I want, I just want to live a life to the fullest. And I kept thinking, and, and this was like, you know, pretty, pretty early on as well, before I even had kids, I was thinking to myself, what stories am I going to share with them? What life experiences am I going to be able to share with them? Um, I just didn't want to be the kind of person who did the same thing for 40 years. And I just didn't know what else to share with my kids. So I think every every step of the way, I kept thinking about it as I was collecting more experiences, more life experiences that I'd be able to share with others. Wow. It's amazing that you had that way of looking the, uh, at things from like such a young age. And I think wh what I can see is that you have always been the main character of your life. Like 
powerful to make change and you know because like other people live life the life that other people want them to live instead of just taking control over the the, the opportunities and the possibilities so it sounds like um you were very accountable of your own journey which is really amazing and very clear um, you know in what you want that clarity yeah. uh it's hard to come by especially when things go wrong you know i've seen and likewise like you know i had immigrant parents they were in their 40s yeah and they still to this day have not experienced you know a, a good life in terms of what they wanted as an outcome in australia and it's easy to get disheartened and you know lose sight of what you wanted um and just you know then just be like maybe i do need the security of a job <laughs> so do you think you had like a a good network at all to 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 back you whether it's a, you know in a social circle or like you said family was not a support um i mean they, but... they came around eventually <laughs> they came, they came around <laughs> and, and and they did support yeah. um but they weren't really people that i could learn from in the area of business and finance I was going to say yeah you were saying like you were there weren't people that looked like you there weren't people who achieved what you wanted to that were like you so do you find like that in in and of itself yeah it made it harder for you but also did it make it hard for people to take you seriously you know in terms of your ambition and your competency do you feel like that came in the way at all I think ignorance is bliss sometimes <laughs> I think not not really uh knowing how you're being perceived was actually a positive thing and i i wasn't thinking too much about that i th- i think in my mind i felt that uh, i was really sincere in my intentions when i was with people and the work that i did i always thought in the back of my mind that i was going to give it 110% so it it hasn't really stopped me from speaking up or putting my hand up to just do things that were challenging or just ask a dumb question because i just felt like i w- i was just really hungry for knowledge was just really hungry to want to do more and just have a lot more experiences so I, I don't think that that really hindered me uh, i don't know how other people sort of perceived it but i felt like i was like kind of swimming in my own lane if, if that makes sense no that's that's almost a common theme i think whenever you hear about um you know any entrepreneurs or people like following their dreams that's that's pretty much sounds like the way to go about it But in terms of like I guess how to um what you like you've started a not for profit or you know as well and uh, as your business is is that an avenue you sort of always thought you wanted to get down uh philanthropy and that sort of thing um I I feel after moving moving to Australia and we've been here for 20 plus years right now I I feel like our existence in this country I know this might sound a little bit deep I almost feel like it's an obligation to do more like it's it's been a real there's a lot of people who don't actually have the kind of um opportunities that we actually have here and and I think once I was given so many different opportunities and I obviously doors got opened and I walked through them as well but I know I had had a role to play in that but things got to a point where i felt like i i have to give back it wasn't like oh that would be a really nice thing to do to give back i'm like no i i have to do this because this is i i'm obligated to do it right now i think that was kind of what was running through the back of my mind so rav my husband and i i think when you know i think since since we were about 26 27 um every time there were good things that actually happened to us we just kept collecting charities and i think um I think we got to a point where we were supporting probably about 16 different charities and then we were like what are we doing like you know we're just putting 50 bucks here 20 bucks here Oxfam World Vision Medicine Medicine Sans Frontier like we were supporting all these different charities and I think in the back of my mind I kept thinking about legacy and impact like how was I going to make the world a better place like what what was my contribution uh so can you tell us a little bit about your not for profit and what it is that you do Yeah no yes. thank you Sohan so Grit Leadership is a certified social enterprise where we're uh tackling gender equity and inclusion within workplaces and it's also to actually help with getting more women into senior leadership roles so how we actually do that is we we run two signature programs one we run a program specifically for women and it's called Women Be Seen and Heard whereby we run a, a training program that goes over 8 weeks to teach them the art of uh storytelling and communication but then giving them the confidence to share their voice on a platform effectively like a TED talk style presentation without any notes or presentation 
And um, by creating that platform, they, we now create that visibility for these women after the training program um, to introduce them to all the other senior leaders within an organization. So if an opportunity does come up, people go, ah, what about this person here? I actually heard their story. And they're just, just creating that visibility for them. Because a lot of women don't want to put their name, you know, themselves out there because they're afraid that they, you know, they don't want to brag, but this is giving them an opportunity to just sort of showcase who they are. And the other program that we actually run uh, is very focused on unconscious bias training, but using VR and um, gamification. So our leaders literally put headsets on um, and they have an immersive experience um, experiencing discrimination could be age, gender, uh, sexual orientation or, or disability. Um, and they walk a mile in someone else's shoes. Um, by actually having that sort of experience, it becomes a topic of conversation that we can delve a lot deeper. No one wants to attend training programs where they're being taught to. Uh, we we want to be able to actually challenge people so that um, it goes from head to heart. And we believe that when it goes from head to heart, people will start to act differently. And if they act differently, then we start to see change within an organization. So this is what our training programs aim to do. And all of our surplus funds go towards building programs for young girls in schools. So we've partnered with a charity called Flourish Girls, and they do exactly that. They empower teenage girls to become unstoppable women. Uh, and Flourish Girls operate in 65 over school over 65 schools in Victoria alone. Uh, one of the challenges that I actually face is having con continuity of funding for these schools to actually run programs for girls between the age of year 12. So, yeah, but that's that's a little bit uh, in terms of a nutshell of, of the programs that we run for Brit. Wow. We'll leave them a link on uh, Project this on Sorry. We'll leave a link on the episode description so people can come and support you and sort of like get to know you and get involved. Because can anyone get involved or how does it work? Um, our, fo our focus is really with corporates. Um. So it's, it's, it's really helping move the dial. Uh, currently, a lot of organizations actually spend, invest money in uh, professional development and developing leaders within the organization. So by, by partnering with big leadership, you're almost ticking two boxes. Yes, you're investing into a leadership program that's very innovative and very current and very impactful, but more so our funds actually go towards supporting um, girls uh, to come into our workplace. So uh, how yeah, did the focus is definitely more. Yeah, I was gonna say, how did you come up with the idea of something like this? Well, this is actually back to having those conversations with those two hundred and fifty strangers on LinkedIn. So it was not my idea, and I'm not gonna swim to actually have come up with that. So again, power of connection and and connecting with people who are SMEs in their areas, in their specific areas, and all we've done is just our values aligned. We've collaborated and we found a platform to actually bring it to life. Wow. That's amazing. This shows what, you know, minds put together can actually come up with. Because honestly, like the immersive thing for getting discrimination, um, coming across to people, because I feel like unfortunately as people, we only really um, resonate with something yes. we've been through. You know, like we can, we can really feel for it and then empathize. Sympathy only gets you such a long way. Um, and to be able to put them in those shoes without actually like physically hurting anyone and, you know, uh, the, 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 the implications of, of what you can unlock in people, that's huge. Mm. That's yeah. so huge. It, 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 it is, um, and, 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 and it is a very impactful sort of program that we actually run, but I, get, but I think one of the challenges I face being a not-for-profit is that we don't actually have funds for marketing and business development. Uh, the way we actually promote our not-for-profit is through conversation and trying to actually value add to organizations like facing challenges. Mm. Okay. I, I have so many questions about like, that. Yeah, engineering yeah, companies could benefit so much from this. Just trying to think how yeah, we could connect like, you with someone. Yeah, spread, spread it out. Yeah. I think um, and, and it would be with very that valuable. Work for and that's the thing. That's the thing that's been really interesting. So uh, for our pilot program, we we actually did it with uh, McConnell Dow. So Arab McConnell Dow and Metro Trains collaborated, and they uh, run some of the level crossings here in uh, Melbourne. Um, mm -hmm. And that's how we actually started off. But 
um, so unfortunately just conversations with organizations took a really really long time so when I uh, dealt with Arabs they absolutely loved it we did a demo they loved it they were like we need this and then when it came to actually implementing the program they were like I don't know how we're gonna do this I was like okay so it's um and this is not the first time uh, a lot of organizations that I speak to think it's an amazing idea but then when it comes to implementation it's there's always a bit of a challenge so I might not be speaking when you right. say implementation what do you mean like getting them to just commit 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 to actually giving it a go yeah mm-hmm. they don't see the benefits of it or what is it but the the feedback I'm getting is that the the benefits are definitely there but it's actually finding the right opportunities to actually roll out the, the, the program yeah okay as a young professional or as a young person going through so much change and having an environment that thinks completely different to what you think, um, how do you self-promote and start to sort of like approach people if you, yeah, if you don't know anyone, how do you create those connections so you can achieve eventually what, what you want to or, or start sort of like creating the life you want? I think when we think about connecting with people, oftentimes people feel the need to connect with someone because there's something they want to get from them um so you know i mean how many times is it that sometimes you you go into a networking event and someone just people just um, back in the day when there were business cards people who just can't wait to give you their business card and tell you what what is it that they do right like so they've got to like offload something off, off their chest and i think networking connecting with people have moved so far from where that notion of traditional networking um, I think today networking is all about connecting with people and getting to know who people are. Like, you know, it, it's all about um, being, be, being really curious and, and actually working out how, how is it that you can add value to other people as opposed to thinking how is it that they can do something for you. Yeah, it's not a transaction. I think that's really important to, 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 to mention. It's like we learn so much through connecting with one another and like for example this chat right now is allowing us to 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 gain a a little bit of I guess to get to see life through your lenses you know and it's so much it's so valuable when we can gain perspective but I feel like it's I feel like today like networking or not just today but some people really approach it as a transaction and what do you think the disadvantages of approaching networking like that are? I mean, I, I see that in a, on a day-to-day, I get, I get that many requests from people on LinkedIn saying, um, hi, I'm actually looking for a job. Can you help me? Here's my resume. Who are you? <laughs> Who are you? Right. So, um, and I think sometimes people have it in the back of their mind, thinking, you know, if I just if I just sort of put it out there and just say this is what I want, this is what I want, someone will actually help me. But it doesn't work like that because people don't like to be sold to. Um, we we live in a world where you know people want human connection. I think that's what's missing. So I think when when you actually build a relationship with someone, you almost feel obligated to want to help that person if you like that person. Like you don't really need the person to sort of say, "Can you please help me?" You're like, "Oh my god, I really like this person. They look like they need some help. I'm gonna go out of my way to give them a hand." Um, yeah, and I think the people who do that, like with the intention of just wanting something out of other people, are doing themselves such a disadvantage because um, that that minute of making an impression is already done. Like, you know, what is it that they say? You've probably got about three to seven seconds to actually make an impression on someone. And, and once that impression is actually made, like you actually have a whole period of time that you need to undo that. So how how you carry yourself and the kind of you know the brand that you actually bring with who you are as a person is so important. Like you, you can't underestimate that. As someone well versed in doing that, because you've done that, let's say even even if you just look at the LinkedIn journey you've had for two hundred and fifty odd people, um, in those three to five seconds, what would you recommend someone do to make a really good impression? It starts with a smile. It really, it really does. It starts with a smile. Um, 
<laughs> it's it's a small thing. It, it's really the small things. It's your it's your it's how you come across physically. Um, I think ha- having a smile is really important. Uh, making that eye contact and being honest. Um, there are times where I actually connect with people and I kind of address the elephant in the room and I say, you might be wondering why we're connecting today. You might be wondering what's the agenda, right? And then you end up going into a bit of a laughter going, yeah, exactly. You know, you address the elephant in the room kind of straight away to actually just say, this is weird. I know this is weird. This might sound really weird, but can I just share with you why I'm actually doing it? Um, I think I think that. I think that's been really helpful uh, and then towards the end of most conversations people go oh wow that was a really nice chat like thank you for sharing it was really nice connecting with you uh, you're no longer just the name on your LinkedIn profile stay connected and you know and and, and that was amazing and, and the thing is I think of the number of times I've been able to connect different people in my network because now I know who they are I know what they value from the LinkedIn platform. What is it that they're looking for? And I think when people sort of share, like, you know, this is my interest, this is is what's important to me, then you kind of go, okay, I think I know some other people who might really value connecting with you. And then, you know, the whole process of connecting kind of keeps keeps going. Mm. Absolutely. So I I really like what you said about human interaction because it is true. It's, It's like... It's all about like listening to one another and being seen is good. But when you're building a business, I suppose, and you have the experience in that space, um, a lot of the times you are looking for connections that can provide you with X, you know, or whether it's, you know, sales or knowledge or whatever. How do you keep it authentic then? you do need to share your 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 intention but just just before that i was just thinking of something what laura was actually saying about the the human connection i came across this really cool quote and it said that we we are not um we're not thinking machines we are feeling machines that think mm-hmm. because 100%. ultimately you know we're, we're still human beings right that actually have feelings so we always yeah. think sometimes we need to be so robotic in our approach because we have an agenda yes. and we, we've got this this is where we want to get to and it's like bang 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 we need to get this stuff done but at the end of the day we're still human. that's yeah you know i was listening to something similar sorry and they were also saying we've become human uh doings doings rather than human beings human beings correct <laughs> Yeah, we've stopped the being part and we've just become doings and that's it. And all the all the implications that that um, brings onto our health is inc- in, like it's crazy, especially as females. It's it's insane. Um, but I was actually going to say because you on your LinkedIn have that, like it or not, we are in the people business. And I think it's really important now that Sohan, you, you had that question about uh, like how to be authentic and transparent with people about like the things that you sort of like want to learn from them and stuff like that. I think it's, it's also really important to, to, I think like delivery is key in certain things. And as you were saying, uh, T-Shell, if you, the example that you did was actually spot on. Like you, if you want a, <laughs> a job from, or like if you want someone to help you find a job, you, sort of like have to introduce yourself and tell them a story right like why is that i would be able to get a job at the at like the place that you're working and i think it's a people business and the more we think about um how we how important like our interactions with others the easier it is for us to achieve our objectives because at the end of the day is it's all people driven and i really like what what you were saying that um yeah, it's like we are more, what is it? We are human. No, we feel. We feel. We're, we're feeling, feeling beings, I think, or something. Like that. Yes, we're feeling machines. Like feeling machines. Yeah. I, I think to answer your question, Sohan, about how do you keep the conversations authentic, um, it's, it's actually just seeking to understand. Um, you know, this is another really, really lovely quote that I like, that's etched in my mind right now. It's like, seek to understand before being understood. Like, you know, seek to understand where people are actually coming from. Seek to understand their point of view. Seek to understand, like continually deepen the conversation by asking more questions and staying um, in, uh, in, in the curiosity sort of space. 
Because the thing is, you don't really know what people are going to be able to do for you. And it's okay. Because like, the thing is, the more you understand about other people, they'll probably be able to connect the dots better than you can. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that a common thing that I can um, hear or like something that is jumping to my attention when I hear you story and even when we caught up was the the mindset that you seem to have and that you have always had seems to be a growth mindset and I feel like not many people follow sort of like their dreams or their passions because they are scared or there's sort of like a difference in the way they approach life so um what do you think, like, how do you think mindset impacts on the success, the success, because I know it looks different for everyone, but the success of an individual? Mm. I think I think mindset is everything. It's literally everything. I don't, I don't care what people sort of say about mechanics and processes and um, intelligence. It's mindset. Uh, I was uh, reading, uh, listening to a book right now by Adam Grant, um, and it's called Think Again. Have you heard of that book before? Yes, I like it. It's really I good. I absolutely love this book. And he talks about the, you know, having intelligence, humility. And many of us um, that, that study and feel like we're so well educated because we've done our degrees and our master's degrees and doing PhDs and like we know the answer. But in actual fact, when you actually look at successful people around the world, it's not really a measure of their intelligence. It's the measure of them being able to unlearn to be able to rethink. Uh, and many of us are not able to actually do that because we actually have so much ego because we think we already know. And, and you know, when you, when you look at kids and the reason why kids seem so happy from such a young age is because they are so curious. They question everything. And if someone says to them, do this, but why do I have to do that? But, you know, but why, but why, but why? Because they, they're constantly asking the questions. But then us as human beings, as we get a little bit older, we just accept things to be, that's just the way it is. That's just the way it is. And then our ability to unlearn and relearn becomes even harder and harder as we actually mature and get older. Yeah. So, like, for example, as a mother, <clears throat> how do you sort of, like, um, cultivate this way of thinking or help your children cultivate this way of thinking? Because... Um, I guess it would be a good way of like advising other people in our in our podcast um, in our audience, but also as a mother, how do you do it? It's it's really really tough. I honestly, is I'm not going to say that uh, I've cracked the code. Parenting is so challenging. As far every time I feel like I've got it, then I get thrown another curveball. Um, but I feel what's what's been really helpful to date, and and I'm sorry, I'm going to be quoting so many different books right now. But Brene Brown's, uh, you know, <laughs> Dare to Lead has 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 it's been such a powerful book around vulnerability. And sometimes I feel like we we have the need to uh, feel like we're coming across perfect in all areas, right? Perfect mom, the Per, per, perfect person, career woman, the per, perfect daughter, the perfect wife, the perfect sister, the perfect everything, right, in all areas. And there is no such thing as perfect. And I think what's really been able to, what's been really helpful in my uh, conversations with my girls is really the vulnerability aspect to actually say to them that I have these dreams and goals and this is kind of what I want to do, but it didn't work out. Like this is the plan that I had and it didn't work. You know, I, I wanted this to happen, but it didn't work. Like, things took a bit longer. This happened, that happened, didn't happen. And it's really interesting when I have these conversations with my kids now, my, my kids say, but it's okay, mama. Just just get up and just do it again. Just do it again, right? And and I think and I think as, as parents, our, our role isn't to, to actually, you know, like, pave the pathway for our kids. I think our role as parents is to actually help them think. Because that's what's missing. I think, you know, in, in the schooling system, everywhere you go, people just trying to create ready-made instant results in all areas, right? But then the ability to think is probably what, what's the hardest. Um, and again, I'm not saying uh, I'm still a work in progress in, in this area, but I feel like that's that's been really helpful, like with the kids. Like we do a lot of things together. We, we do our dream boards every year, uh, every start of the year. The kids, everyone's got their own vision board. We stick pictures in all of them. And 
talk about you know what, what we're wanting this year to actually bring and and then the whole idea of that is to is to dream is to actually show what what is possible and i'm not i'm not talking about material aspects it's about experiences and 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 other other things as well mm. wow do you think you had the opportunity to have these vulnerable conversations with your parents or is that something that you learn now that you're a mother and that you have been exposed to all of these circumstances yeah no 100 it was it wasn't definitely uh in um in my household uh, i think in my household everyone tried to put a very brave front of how they were uh tackling challenges and they want to keep everything away from the kids so that they are unaware of what's actually going on and we as kids would actually make up stories about what was actually happening um but we would try not to do that with the kids because anyway they're highly intelligent like children these days man they can work stuff out anyway i think we might as well sort of be be honest with them <laughs> but i but i think the you know that the, there's a there's a really cool story that i and, and and i think the other aspect with children because um and then because one of the other challenges is actually and one of the fears that i also have is not being the primary influencer in their lives Um, you know, you look around you now with social media and access to the internet. Kids these days, from the age of you know, as soon as they get their iPads in their hands, we're no longer primary influences. Um, back in the day, you watch TV. Your parents would turn off the TV. There is no other influence coming through because your your parents kind of controlled it. But today, uh, you know, you only have to sort of take the trip down to the restaurants or shopping centers and see how many parents have actually got kids sort of glued. To devices as they're doing stuff because that's the babysitter, right? And and you know we live in a very fast-paced sort of world that parents actually need something because they need to get on with their life and do stuff. Um and and but the but the challenge with that is that the kids are getting so much of influence from outside. Um, just before coming into this call today, my daughter was singing a song and she said, um, "Don't be a gold digger, don't be a gold digger." And I was like, "Zara, do you know what that even means?" And she says, "Yeah, like you know, someone who just wants to take somebody else's money, she's she's mine, right?" And I was like, "Okay, what does that even mean? Like, what are you saying?" Because oh, there's this guy, this this guy, this girl's a uh, this girl's a gold digger because she was actually cheating on her on the other guy, so she could get the other guy's money. And I'm like, going, "What are you listening to? What are you watching?" Right? Because she's obviously getting terminology that we're not using at home. But this is just one small example, right? Because you, there is no filter. In 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 the world out there, there is no filter. They have access to so much, and their brain cannot process the information. Um. So I guess one one of the biggest fear right now is not being the primary influencer in in our kids' lives. Uh. So so storytelling is really really important. As opposed, you know, kids don't want to be told what to do. Uh, anymore, like they, they just don't. And you know, if I was to ask you that when you were growing up, and your parents said, "Don't do something, don't do something," what would you do? I would do it. Would anyway. not work. <laughs> do it anyway. Exactly. Yeah, I was so rebellious. Oh my. This will touch on obviously for the for the future generation that is being glued to the iPads, but even it affects our current generation, like mine and Laura's as well. Um. We are living more and more in an age that is like you know more disconnected, just purely because of these devices that we now have, uh, which should be a tool to be more connected. But unfortunately, like they can be quite the opposite. How do you advise people to actually go out and and build connections? I don't actually know how to do that apart from <laughs> trying to be the role model. It's just the. Uh... I mean, we 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 have that same situation with my kids, right? Like when when my kids want to connect with their friend, I said call them. Because no, I'll I'll just send them a text. I'm like, no, but just call them. Like, wouldn't you have a chat with someone? Um, she says no, but I'm but I'm texting them. And when we and it was really interesting. So my my older daughter is in high school. She's in year seven, and we talked about uh, one of the biggest challenges that kids have as they go into high school is building friends. Uh, you know, starting a, a friendship network. And I said, so how do you propose doing that? She goes, oh, we're just connected. We're all just use Snapchat. I'm like, okay, that's fine that you're sending messages to someone. How is this building a relationship? We are building a relationship. So in her mind, she thinks by just living in the social media sort of world and everyone's just connected through their devices, they're building a relationship. Um, you know, you probably would have heard of stories and how people sort of break up with their partners using text messages. 
people who actually want to get a divorce and they send me like it's real like these stories are real out there so you know when you talk about human connection you would think like it's the most natural thing to do but yet it's the most unnatural thing to do in the world that we're living in today so ai is going to take over like you know you talk about um chat gpt and simplified ai and all the different apps that can do so many different things for you but the one thing they're not able to do for us is connect and that has become one of the most important skills uh you know we talked about human skills like one of the most important things is the human skills is what we need to actually be be learning embracing cultivating within our work environment as well as Absolutely, but um, Tisha, I think you are great at doing that. By the way, just because I feel like when you were talking about um your daughter's example about Snapchat and like being in social media, I feel like even from a networking perspective, like LinkedIn has given us that tool of connecting with people. But when you were sharing how, um, you know, like at the start of the conversation that we had, and probably it wasn't recording, I don't remember, but you were like, yeah, I have like i don't know thousand connections on linkedin but do i really get to talk to them no probably there just liking my inter like interacting with my posts liking my stuff but it's really small the percentage of people that actually want to connect in real life and that are interested in in knowing what you do or in learning through you about themselves or about life and i think you you're really good at it <laughs> I give you some more credit. <laughs> no, thank, thank, thank you, Laura. I, I think I, I was just, I was just gonna, no, I was just gonna say, I, I think it's actually come with, with age. Uh, you, I think when I was younger, it almost feels like you know you're, you're invisible. You can do everything on your own. You know, you don't need help from anyone. You can figure everything out on your own. And then I think with time, kind of worked out like. Human beings are the most important resource in the world. People are the most important resource in the world. But the thing is, why, why, why go alone? Why do stuff on your own when you can actually co collaborate with other people and kind of lessen the load and, and kind of do it together? So I think, um, and and you know, obviously it was a was a long pathway of actually learning and unlearning again to do those things because sometimes things don't go as planned and relationships get broken, trust gets betrayed and all of those things. And sometimes you need to learn how to trust again. Um, so there was a whole lot of learning, but I think when I kind of did full circle, I just went, I still love people. I think, I think there's so much to actually learn from other people. There's so much we can do as the collective that kind of made me just go, let's just connect with people. Don't underestimate the power of a conversation and where that can lead and just kind of just kind of see where it goes. Mm. Oh, that's, it, but you, you still have hope and it's beautiful yeah it's <laughs> true because we it's good though i love that <laughs> it's hard maintaining that so hope honestly it's like when, like you said when when um, when trust is broken and stuff to re-come back to that and be able to still instill that is not naive but there is an element of um brushing it off that i don't think everyone else not everyone is capable of but it, it's funny it's funny you say that uh in, in the few different business yeah. business ventures that i actually did um i did a whole lot of different things we bought property in the u.s um, um and it was during the subprime sort of crisis and there were people that we built a really strong relationship with he stayed at their home in vegas he proposed to his wife like we were part of like some really big events in this couple's uh, life and overnight, um, all the money that we actually put into these properties were gone. Uh, these people disappeared from the face of the earth, and I couldn't find them anymore. Um, and 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 so we we had we had a few sort of issues with people that we you know built really strong relationships with, and then overnight, like there wasn't a relationship anymore. And I remember my mom sort of saying to me, she goes, Tisha, you're not cut out for business. You don't have uh, a, a, um, a crooked bone in, in your body. Like in order for you to be in business, you, you need to be cunning and sly. And I went, okay, really? She goes, yes, don't trust anyone. The world is really a bad place. Don't trust anyone. Just do stuff on your own. And I went uh, a period of time thinking that way. And I just went, I don't need anybody. I can do this on my own. Like, you know, the world's such a bad place. But it came back to what my values were and my value, part of my value is connecting with people, building relationships with people, having, having, being honest, having integrity is part of my value system. 
and I think I could only do what she was saying to me again to keep me safe for a period of time and then I realized that I wasn't actually living like living life the way I want to live and I was like you know what mom if, if the whole world that I actually uh, connected with and they all cheated me it doesn't matter because at the end of the day I know I still did the right thing like I wouldn't mm-hmm. be able to live if I was constantly in fear of what other people are going to be doing I still needed to be able to live but today I'm just so so glad to prove my mom wrong that you can be in business you can be successful and you don't need to be cunning and sly <laughs> and there are amazing trustworthy people out there that you can build relationships with yeah mm. Absolutely. The resilience that it takes to get there, right? I would say you genuinely have gone through a lot of stuff. <laughs> I'm, I'm, waiting, I'm waiting to collect all these stories to write a book. Please do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's essentially what you wanted to be able to tell all these different stories to your kids. You know, you're literally, by being involved in all this, that's how you come up with these stories. I think um, we might need like a second episode on you, Jenny, because it's so amazing. Like genuinely, um, it's really inspiring for people because the ability that you have to pivot, it's incredible because I think like we all go through hard things. Any human being goes through challenges, but there's certain things that you have faced, like for example, as you were describing before, the ability to sort of like trust people again. And I know it must have been like a process to get there. But look at where you are now, like you, amazing. And now you, something that I, it, it amazes me because you have this like non-for-profit organization that is about leadership and, and, and all of these things, like you still think to pay back, which is something that not many people do because again, like they, they go into this like mindset of like, no, like you can't trust anyone or like, no, nah, like I'm doing, like self, I'm being selfish and it's for my own benefit. But no, you still want to share the knowledge and you still know that the communal impact, like you still think about people and it's like, it, it, it's amazing. But Lara, I don't think it makes me any special. I think um, I think the, the inspiration is really my kids. Um, it's, it's just to show them that it is possible. Um, you know, the kids, they don't, don't hear what you say, but they see what you do. So the number of times I've had conversations with my daughters and they say, Mama, do you really have like three jobs? And Zara, my little one, when she actually writes stories about, you know, when you write stories at school about your mom or your dad and stuff like that, it makes, makes me laugh when I look at half the things that she's written. Um, and it's just to prove to her that it is possible. Like you can be a career professional. You can run businesses. You can run not-for-profits. You can be a mom. You can do all these different things. Like who said that you can't? Who said you shouldn't? Like who set the rules in all of these, right? Like I think the only limit is the limit that actually lives in, in our heads. So um, if you were going to advise someone that was sort of like asking you all these questions, like how, how do you have three jobs? How, if you were going to tell your daughter the answer, how, like what would you tell them? How do you do this? Supermom? No, it's not Supermom. It's just having having a really big dream. Um, I, the one thing that I keep coming back to time and time again, even with my kids, it's like do not let anyone steal your dreams. When, when you're young, you actually have all these dreams about all the things that you want to do. You move countries, you start jobs, you could do all these things. And then life happens, right? And then what happens is then your dreams from this big starts to shrink and get smaller and smaller and smaller because you just think, you know what? There's no choice. That's just how it is. That's just how it is. Just accept it. Accept it. And your dreams become so small. And then what happens then is you start playing small. Like what happens? Like you, you've shortchanged yourself, right? And you've let the whole world, you've proved the world right because you've compromised on your dreams. Um, and I'll just keep going. Like, you know, who knows? I think the dreams keep changing as well. Like every, every time I think we get to a point, we're like, oh my God, that's amazing. Can we just stretch it by another 20% and see how we go? Like we keep stretching, keep stretching because that, that's what life is about. It's, it's uh, in my, my humble opinion, but accurate opinion. It, it, it's, it's all about, you know, stretching and actually having a really you know, having clarity of what your dreams are and just don't compromise and just don't stop. Just keep going. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I like I like that analogy of don't play small. You led, you you made the world right. Sorry. I, I, I think that's a great mm-hmm. parting message for the audience, to be honest. Yeah, absolutely. 
don't shrink your dreams <laughs> in the last part of um the segment i guess uh or interview or conversation that we do we usually just um try to keep it a bit short and fast questions so they might be odd <laughs> sorry <laughs> but uh definitely like the quicker you can answer the better it's just like a little fun thing that we do because like we obviously talk about your journey a little bit but um this is just a fun way to end um so the first thing that uh we want to ask you is we it's funny that you mentioned this when we were like talking um but is heartbreak an important life lesson what do you think oh don't get me started i had please, didn't actually share with you uh, I, 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 <laughs> I i i i actually uh had have have a bollywood love story um so i i've got married to my husband who wasn't someone that was accepted by my parents and i was meant to actually marry someone else but i accepted him and i was very very resilient uh he might have a slightly different version to the story but i had lots of heartbreaks and it went through over a very long period of time like i know rav since i was 18 and we didn't get married till i was 27 so it was nine years of uh fighting if you like or proving to families that we were actually meant to be together and we were work parts like literally we lived in different countries we were forced not to communicate uh i was meant like i said i was meant to marry someone else um yeah and um and and it happened so i, I do believe in true love <laughs> this is something a bit like a fairy tale right now but i think heartbreaks are important because <laughs> i think it only builds you yeah i think it gives you like a resilience and and i don't know builds character definitely It allows you to know yourself a little bit more better too. Oh. Yeah, honestly. But I love that it worked out yeah. in the end for you. That's so cute. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Um okay, next question. If you could pick to be one person for the day, who would it be? Me. Ooh. <laughs> I like that. That's awesome. That's an awesome answer. And I guess this one is a little bit deeper and um going back to those um heavy questions i guess <laughs> what are the big lessons you have been learning recently your network is your net worth the people that you associate with will result in the result that you're actually after in your life i am very very careful with who influences me um so yeah i i think it's it's um men- having a mentor is a uh, non-negotiable for me and I'm very very grateful that I do have one because I believe that if you do not have a mentor society will mentor you That's amazing. Thank you. Thank you very much for your time. It's only honestly being a pleasure to have you and to have a little bit of your insights in our in our podcast. I look forward to having you again and keep discussing uh, more about our journey in this industry and the other industries <laughs> that we are part of. <laughs> no, thank you so much Laura. Thank you so much for having me. Good, our pleasure. It's been fantastic. Thank you.